John chapter 15. All right, we need to turn the fans on over here, not the air conditioning, the fans. Anybody knows how to turn on on both those units? I'd appreciate it because I see some of you already looking sleepy, and I ain't got a hope if y'all are looking sleepy before I even start. Amen. John 15. I want to read verses 1 through 15, okay? Uh, let's stand on the Word of God. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandry. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the Word. Amen. Which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and, my, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. This is very important. Jesus speaking. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. You got to know who you are. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And for without me ye can do nothing. Now if any man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. And is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in love. These things have I spoken to you, that... My joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Verses 1 through 10 comes before 11. That's deep, isn't it? Uh, you'll never have joy without abiding. So this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. What a standard. Greater love is no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. One more verse. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Got to read verse 16, please. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it unto you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. You may be seated. Father, thank you for this great chapter. Lord, I love what you have taught your disciples right before you went to the cross of Calvary. And how, dear God, you, you instructed them about real life. And God, that's exactly what I want our people to experience and I want to experience is abundant life. And life that uh, brings forth fruit to redound for your glory. God, life's too short to live for our selfish selves. Life's too short to live for this world, and life indeed is too short to live for Satan. And so, Lord, dear God, help us to realize the very purpose of life. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Real living. You know, a lot of people say, well, i am really got a great life, but they really don't because they're not saved. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You're just existing if you're not saved. You're just uh, marking time, just like prisoners in a jail. Uh, you're just marking time. But, you know, the Bible tells us the secret of living in this passage is fruit bearing. And we went over all the fruits, fruit of holiness, fruit of praise, fruit of good works, fruit of Christian character, love, joy, peace. The fruit of soul winning, another Christian, the fruit of, uh, of just um, giving, 
so uh, the fruit of one Christian is another Christian, but so much more. There's the fruit of praise. A lot of praise is very fleshly. I was uh, reviewing all the candidates that I was going to try to vote for. I've only voted for one. I was legal. And um, I looked at their webpage, and I looked at where they went to church. And I made the mistake of looking at one church, uh, guy's church, and, uh, and I clicked on his worship service. I ain't never seen anything like it. And it's in Dalton. And I thought to myself, we wouldn't have to worry about the colors of the pew because it's so dark in the auditorium. You don't know what the color of the pew is, and you don't know who you don't know who's next to you. But there's a lot of spotlight on the jamming, rock and roll, uh, flary uh, stage performance, and there's where all the spotlight is. That's not worship. That's entertainment. And I want to tell you something, friend. It grieved my heart. I'm not trying to be critical, cynical, or saying that we're holier than thou. But I like our Christ honor music. When that orchestra strikes up, there's nothing that draws your attention to the flesh. There's no, um, there's no um, uh, entertainment here. This is not Ted Mack Amateur Hour. This is lifting up Jesus and it's worship. And I thought to myself, and, and some of our former, uh, some of our members are uh, former members of there. I said, how in the world could they enjoy that? I would have a headache time I left that place because it's, it's nothing but a concert. That's not worship. That's not worship at all. That's, that's a bunch of uh, fleshly uh, emotionalism that uh, does not bring forth fruit. So fruit of praise means that it's praiseworthy, that it's in the character of God. And David danced before the Lord, and he shouted before the Lord, and he marched before the Lord. I'm not talking about spiritual praise. I'm talking about this worldly entertainment in the house of God that's taken over the place, and thousands are flocking there because they're looking for something that will entertain them or amuse them, but folks, we ought to be looking for Jesus. And this has been a very calm service tonight. I wouldn't call it dead, and I don't believe we ought to be dead, but half of you look like you're very tired. And, uh, and I just thank God you're here. And it's not how loud you shout, it's how you, it's how, uh, and how, how you jump, it's how you walk when you hit the ground, say amen. You can't tell how much gas is in the tank by the toot of the horn. And there's a lot of tooting going on. And folks, I want to tell you something, I don't think it's of God. I'll go on record to that. I've been very nice so far. And a lot of them uh, let members sell liquor and have no standards and, and no holiness. And folks, I want to tell you something. You've got to worship out of holiness, not, not worldliness. Okay, I got that off my chest. I feel very good about it. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to have holiness that's a fruit of the Spirit, not some manufactured uh, results. Let me give you a little illustration, if I can, not tear this thing up. Amen? Uh, the Lord is the vine, the trunk. We are the branches, say amen. None of them will come out anyway. But no, we're the branches. We're littler, we're insufficient. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. If we're not abiding in that vine, there is no strength, there is no godliness, there is no resemblance to the vine. We must abide. That's the, that's the lesson tonight. Folks, the key to living is fruit bearing. Number two, the key to uh, fruit bearing is uh, abiding. And, and if you're going to bear forth fruit, there must be a, a abiding. I want you to go to one, two, three, four, fourth slide. We're going to skip a lot. Uh, Brother Joel or Brother, uh, whoever's back there. I don't think anybody's back there. Praise God. Well, yeah, yeah, you are because you just changed it. That's good. Amen. I did, you're so short I couldn't see you. But anyway, the evidence of abiding. What is the evidence of abiding? Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. I wish Christians would get a hold of that. 
Folks, it, not, it does not depend upon our ability, our education, our ability, but our availability. It doesn't depend upon our personality. It doesn't depend upon our talents, our education. It depends upon Him. Now, all that stuff that God gives you, you shouldn't boast in it and compare in it and think you're better than somebody else. God's blessed you to be a blessing. You can pl if you can play an instrument, you can sing, uh, you ought to use that for God. But if you can't, you shouldn't use an excuse to just be a branch uh, on the ground good for just the fire. And so, folks, the evidence of abiding is very simple. Folks, there's fruit. And I won't go over the fruit, but, it, 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 the, you know, it's evidence. It's just uh, we don't judge people. We fruit inspect. By their fruits, you'll know them. And, folks, I want to tell you something. No fruit, no roots. It's not just abiding. There is sometimes no uh, union, much less communion. So verse 5 says, If you abide in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. The evidence of being saved is fruit. The evidence of abiding is fruit. And so you can never have to guess whether you're abiding or not. There will be fruit in your life. The fruit of praise, the fruit of good works, the fruit of giving, the fruit of soul winning, the fruit of holiness. It's not a manufactured plastic result. You don't get holy by rules and regulations. You don't get holy by keeping the preacher's rules. You get holy by letting the Holy Spirit live through you. It's holiness is godliness, and godliness is defined as God-likeness. You'll never be like God until you are abiding in Him. And so... Friend, we see that um, there's an evidence, a, a great evidence of being uh, abiding, and that is, of course, that you are um, uh, bearing forth fruit. Number two, the Father's pruning. Look at verse two. The Bible says, Every branch in me that beareth uh, not fruit is taken away, and every branch that beareth fruit, it purges it, and it may bring forth more fruit. Now, folks, there ought to be some purging. And, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, as soon as they have trouble, uh, they, they, just, uh, they just fold and say, well, I must, God's picking on me. Um, uh, pruning is a good thing. Uh, for instance, if this was a fruit tree and all the power and all the juice and all the minerals and all the sap was going to the leaves, you've got to cut off those leaves so the power will go to the fruit. Say amen. Uh, I, I grow roses at home uh, to the extent that I look at them and when I see a dead limb, I chop them off. Amen. I figure I can do that, amen? And then sometimes I dig up a weed or two. And that's, and, and well, the roses are beautiful if I keep those dead limbs from getting all the sap. That's purging. That's purging. Folks, uh, God wants us to reach our greatest potential. In life, it goes, if, go, if life goes to our leaves and not the fruit, He cuts the leaves away. It's the sin that so easily besets you. And it might not be a bad thing, but it, if it's not a fruitful thing, He'll cut it out. And folks, a lot of people say, well, God's mean and God's uh, not gracious. No, God's good and God knows best and God knows what it'll take. Uh, folks, Abraham took, uh, the, God took his home, took his family, um, his, his son Ishmael and his son Isaac, and then he gave it back. Uh, expect to be pruned of the better for the best. Now, this is going to date me, but when I was uh, young, I used to have a Sears catalog that had good, better, and best. And they had three prices. 
And my mother would never let me get best. She always said, you better just settle for good. And I thought, I thought to myself, okay, I'll do it, but I want the best. Amen? I never did get the best, but praise God, because Daddy drank it all up. But I want to tell you this, friend, you ought to not settle for the better. You ought to settle for the best. And I want to tell you what's the best. Letting God be who He is through you. Filled to overflowing. And it's not filled to have an emotional experience of tongue speaking or healing lines or whatever. He wants you to do much more than that. He wants you to be gracious and godly and godlike. Amen? And I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm, not kill, I'm not trying to kill any kind of enthusiasm, but there's a lot of false fruit around Dalton, Georgia. And I'm not saying we're the only ones. Only by the grace of God we have any kind of semblance of reverence in this place. I believe when you walk in here, you ought to take your cap off. I believe when you walk in here, you ought to be different than when you walk on the golf course. Amen? Uh, come on, I believe this is a special place called a sanctuary. It's sanctified. Amen? I believe there ought to be some holy reverence to the house of God because it's where God speaks and where God's words preach and where we worship the living God. And folks, if you can't get up for that, something's wrong with you. Amen? We ought, it ought to be a special place. It ought to be a sanctified place. But folks, we treat it like a rock and roll concert. Don't get me started on that again. I wish I'd have never checked out that candidate. Whew. I voted for him anyway because it's the best, it's the best one we could get. Amen? And at least he's a Christian. And I'm not saying everybody that worships not like us is, 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 is a heathen. I'm just saying maybe they haven't been trained, and, but I can't see leaving this church for a rock and roll concert. I just can't see it. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine sitting in the dark watching a show and not having a Sunday night service, and not having a Wednesday night service, because all the orchestration goes into the Sunday morning service. That's all they have. That's all they can get ready for. Because it, it takes a lot of uh, practice to get that show on. You say, you're being unkind. No, I believe I'm scriptural, rebuking the things of the world that's worldly and getting our teenagers to come into church and then leave worse than they came in and, and, and not magnify God and not live for God and not give up their drugs and not give up their thing. I was at the YDC and we had a bunch of young people and they said, well, you're going to have to have a, a drug test. We lost every one of them. And they all go to the same church and they all can go there without their lives being changed. And they said, we can't even take a drug test. And we lost all our counselors in one week. Now it's a bunch of old goats like me there. That's the only ones there. Two doctors and me and a, another guy. That's it. We lost them all. Folks, I want to tell you something. Godliness with contentment is a great game. And I want to say that, folks, God's going to cut this stuff out one day. God's going to cut this flesh out. God's going to cut, cut this show out. It's not going to last forever. And I'm not trying to be condem condemnation or, uh, or, or, or uh, condescending. But I'm just saying, folks, we need to preach the word and not go after the world when it comes to worship and when it comes to what fruit really is. Third evidence is abiding is a growing sense of weakness. Look at verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. Listen to this. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Here's a key phrase. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Here's a key phrase. 
as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You cannot live the Christian life in the power of the flesh. Here's the key for the Christian life. It's abiding and letting His Spirit run your life, rule your life, overflow in your life, and thrill your life. Folks, listen, it's a repeated lesson. In verse 5 it says, I am the vine, ye the branches, he that abideth in me, in, in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And listen to this, he emphasizes again, for without me ye can do nothing. Listen to this. If you think for a second you can whip the devil and overcome the flesh and overcome the world in your own power, you got another thought coming. That's why 12 steps is never going to re reform you. That's why anger management is not going to ever, ever give you victory over your sorry temper. That's why addiction uh, classes are not going to work unless you get some more power and abide in Him. Say amen. That's just reformation. I preached this in the jail for 30 years. Is that I don't care how many lessons you take, you'll probably become a more educated criminal in here if you don't get born again. Amen? And a lot of people just say, I'm going to go in there and take all these classes. And I almost get kicked out of the YDC every time I teach there because they think the classes are the height of all that they're doing. But it's not the classes. It's the flow of the Spirit of God. Amen? We cannot do it without Him. Can we get that, friend? Can we get that? We're the branch. He's the vine. Without abiding in the vine, you're just as plastic as these little branches. You might look like a branch, you might act like a branch, but you have no power. Abiding is everything. I'll explain that term in just a minute. So there's a growing sense of weakness. Number two, there's a father's pruning. Number one, there's a fruit. And then last but not least, your prayers are being answered. Now this is thrilling. But this is conditional. John 15, verse 7. Look at it. Isn't this a great passage? I mean, this is deep teaching. I don't care who's teaching it. This is Jesus speaking right before He went to the cross. And He's leaving instructions for His disciples on how to live. But how to minister. And how to give. And how to love. And how to have victory over a persecuting church and a wicked world. And We live in it. We live in it. Well, we live in it. Oh, I tell you, this broke my heart about Texas. Little old town. Be very hard for that preacher preaching 26 funerals, but I'm going to tell you what it's going to be hard of. It's going to be very hard for him to go out and visit in that little community and tell him to come to that church. That's exactly what the devil wants. That's exactly what the devil wants. And the skeptic's going to say, well, where was God at? Why didn't he protect them? They were in the house of God. I was out here joking around on Sunday morning. It's going to be very hard. We need to pray for them because the devil can take this and amplify his wickedness through one man that was demon-possessed. If he wasn't demon-possessed, I don't know the title of it. He was demon-possessed. To kill little crying babies, that's demon-possessed. And he's been doing that in the womb all the way through all these ages. The devil, he's a murderer and a destroyer and he's a devourer. And if there's anyone we ought to get mad at, it ought to be the devil. Let's go on. Chasing too many rabbits, but that rabbit needs to be shot. Look at the part of the expression. Look at verse 7. It says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. I'm going to tell you why God answers prayer. One reason, verse 8. 
Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. There's one motive God honors in prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He does not answer your prayers for your convenience. He does not answer your prayer for your fun. He does not answer your prayer for your riches. He doesn't answer your prayers for your fame. He answers your prayers for his fame and for his glory. And so, folks, a long time ago, I begged God to save my drunk daddy for many years, and I did it so I could live in peace, so I would not be embarrassed with my friends, so I could have somebody to come over and spend the night like a normal teenage boy. And that was the wrong motive. And when I started praying, dear God, save him for your glory. He saved him, and praise God, I was too old to have anybody over because I was 18, 19 years old and about to move out, but I thank God he got saved. Wasn't for me, it was for God. Pray your prayers for His glory. And folks, it's evidence that you're abiding in the vine. And God, I'm going to tell you something. The Lord will change your prayer. He'll check your prayer. He'll give you peace in your prayer. He'll guide your prayer. And when you don't even know what to pray, He'll tell you what to pray. Romans 8, verse 26. He's the intercessor. So folks, our prayer life is dependent on one thing. Verse 7, abide in me. When you abide in him, he changes your prayer, he leads your prayer, and he gives you the confidence it's the will of God and you claim it. Outside the will of God, it'll probably be selfish. Folks, listen. His grace is sufficient and his strength is made perfect in weakness. And therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities. What is 2 Corinthians 12, 9 saying, it's saying you prayed three times to be healed, Paul, and I just changed it. I just changed it. And then he said, well, most gladly rather than, if you're going to be strong through my weakness, let me be weak. See, folks, I want to tell you something. There's a growing sense of weakness if you're abiding. When you're around Jesus, you realize he's the only one that can do it. And he's the only one that can be who he, he is through you. And he's the only one that can give you love, joy, peace. And then number five, love for Christ and his people. It's an evidence of being abiding in him. Look at verse 9. The Bible says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Continue in my love. If you're continuing in his love, it's an evidence that he's loving through you. I'll just be honest with you. What's kept me here 40 years? is I've learned to love people no matter how much they hurt me or my family. I win them the Lord, win the whole family the Lord, and they leave and don't even tell me bye. That makes preachers bitter. And when preachers get bitter, they get so bitter, they change churches every 3.8 years. That's right. Because they think, well, there won't be people over there in Texas. I'll just move over there. Pardon the geography. And folks, I want to tell you something. We are not here to please man. We're here to please God. And we are here to love people, not in our strength, but in God's love. God's love. And then last but not least, we know that we're abiding when we have inner joy. I didn't say happiness. Happiness depends on happenings. Amen? I mean, happiness is when your team wins. Amen? But I want to tell you something. And I apologize for criticizing LSU Sunday. But 
but I'll probably do it again. But I, you know, I just I want you to know this. I want you to know this, folks. It's not on these little things like making money, or having a nice house, or somebody coming giving you a a million dollars. That'd be nice. Hope you tithe on it. But I want to tell you this, friend. That's not what brings happiness. Or that, that's what brings happiness. Joy comes through abiding. Look at it, verse 11. Everybody wants to skip to verse 11. But conditional promise is this, 1 through 10. You abide in Him. You receive His purging. You become more like Him. Look at this, verse 11. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You know what the key to that verse is? These things have I spoken unto you. Now I'm not sure that don't refer back to 14 too. But I know it refers to verse 1 through 10. And so folks listen. There is one great evidence that ought to be more on the face of the average Baptist. And that's joy. I'll just be honest with you. If you don't have joy, nobody wants your God. If you don't have joy... Nobody wants to sit on your pew. Because what they're going to say in everyday life, well, that, if that's going to do that to me, I don't want any part of it. If you're going to go around sad, blue, down and out, up and down, roller coaster Christian, ping pong Christian, where are you going to bounce next? Up and down, sad and depressed. Who wants it? But I want to tell you this. God has got a great platform for you to be joyful. And that is when things are not going right. When things are not going good. I don't expect that pastor in that little town, Sullivan Springs, whatever it is, to be joyful Sunday when he preaches to that half-empty church. But I think that he'll be the kind of man, I pray he is, that still has faith, that still has a duty, and still has an obligation, and still realizes that God could work all this junk for God's glory if they respond in faith. Now, I'm not saying that's possible in the flesh. I'm going to tell you something. If that had been my two daughters murdered, and, I'm, and I skipped church that morning, as one man did, I don't know how much joy I'd have today. I don't know if I could control the tears. I don't know if I can control the convulsions of depression. I don't know. It'd take me a while, Brother Randy. Because I happen to be human and so are you. And so are all, all of us. But I hope I wouldn't quit God. And I hope I wouldn't get bitter. And I hope I wouldn't get cynical. I hope I wouldn't shake my fist at God. I had a mother come up to me screaming at me right before I preached. And said, you dedicated my baby you held her in my arms. And she was screaming at me. Why, preacher, did she die? And I don't want you to preach. And I said, okay, ma'am. I'll let Larry Stiles do it. He said, no. I think you want me to preach because I'm going to preach what God has laid on my heart. And she just seemed like she calmed down all of a sudden. I said, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. But she said, if you preach too long, I'm going to interrupt you. And I said, ma'am, in all due respect, I know you're going through a broken heart and 
bitter time. But don't you interrupt God's message because I got to deliver God's message. And the greatest honor they can pay to your daughter is that somebody gets saved. And praise God, three people with tears raised their hands saying, I need to be saved. And I went up afterwards and I said, Mom, I know your heart's broken. I know you don't understand all this. And I know this was your only child, 25 years of age. But the greatest honor that could ever be paid a daughter that passed is that three people got on a Holy Ghost conviction to be saved. And she said, thank you. It's amazing how God can change a person's heart if they'll just listen to the Holy Spirit. And friend, I want to tell you something. It's not always easy serving God, and it's definitely not easy serving God when everything goes wrong. But I want to tell you something. The world really doesn't notice you until you're going through things that are wrong. If you want to pout, panic, be pitiful, and get angry at God, you run the chance to tell the world that you're abiding in Him and that His joy is flowing through you and that His presence is making you more like Him. You're little, you're little compared to the vine, but you resemble the vine a lot. And folks, that's the ultimate goal in the Christian life is to be like God to be like Jesus. And friend, there ain't no way unless you abide in Him. Let's pray. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for a chance to share your word. I know these folks are tired and time change has got us all disrupted and many people came out last night. And Lord, I just thank you for the faithful few that was here because somebody in this room needed this message. Lord, if the only person needed it was me, I sure need it. Because, Lord, I don't want to depend upon the flesh. And, Lord, I can do nothing without you. I've got to understand who I am. I'm just the branch. And, Lord, if I get so prideful that I think it's me, you're going to have to purge me. And I don't want you to have to purge me. Lord, dear God, help us to realize the key to living is abiding. And the key to abiding is obeying. And the key to obeying is loving you. And the key to loving you is knowing you. So God is a flimsy little old branch that can't do a thing without you. May I long to know you in the fullness of your power. May I long to yield to you and let you produce the very fruit through my life that a lost and dying world needs to see. Lord, it's just not about the branches, is it? It's about the vine. But God, you have privileged us to be a branch connected to thee and dependent upon thee and confident in thee and dear Lord yielded to thee to bear forth much fruit with every head bowed and every eye closed I will tell you something it's good to be a branch connected to the vine because he is the vine and we are the branches you know I believe with all my heart and I wanted to get to this brother Joel you might want to put it up is that I really wanted to get to it is that the, the, the key
we're a, a branch is consecration and it's conformity but it's also absolute dependence and undoubting confidence these branches are confident the vine's not going to let them down if they got any fruit they're absolutely dependent and they're perfectly conformed and their entire being is to be a branch entire consecration dear God help us dear God help us be that kind of brand.